Good morning. Will you stand with us? Let's make a joyful noise to the Lord this morning and let's worship together. Amen, amen. You guys can be seated. Good morning, Kavanaugh Church family. How's everyone doing? What's up, Miss Don? How are you doing? Good. So good to see everybody. It is so fantastic to have you back here in the Lord's house with us this beautiful Sunday morning. The Lord really did give us an awesome day, right? It's so good, and I'm so glad to hear you singing and worshiping and praising. I love it when the body of Christ comes together to give all praise and glory and honor to the Lord. It's so good. It's so, it blesses our hearts to see that happening, and, and you sound good while you do it. Amen? 
Amen. So, um, is, again, it's so good to see you all. If you're a first-time guest, thank you so much for joining us today, or if you've been coming for the last few weeks. Uh, we want to get to know you and your family um, and make sure that you find a place here in our church. We want to tell you all about it. So if you will, fill out a Connect card if you haven't already, and then after service, you can take it to this back table, and uh, we'll be able to give you some of the best food in town, Chick-fil-A, a little gift card there, and a couple of things, a couple other things, a coffee mug, and be able to tell you about all the ministries that are going on in our church. We have several going throughout the week, uh, such as C groups and our Wednesday night Bible studies and various other things. We want to make sure that you are in the know and you are not left out and your family gets connected. So please allow us to do that with you um, and be able to share all about our church. But it's so good to see you guys. I'm going to ask you all to stand. We're going to ask God's anointing on our services, services today. He was with us in the first service truly moving, um, and God, God is making the change in the lives of our people for the better, and we truly believe that He's going to do that now in this service. Let's pray. Lord, I'm, I'm so thankful uh, for you bringing us back together today, God. Um, I love this place. We love you, and we just know that you're ready for us right now. So, Lord, help our hearts to be attentive. Help us to get all the distractions and put them out of our way, God. Help us to be solely focused on you today. Because, Lord, you've brought an awesome word through Brother Jason. Um, thank you so much for his time and his study. Um, Lord, just help us be prepared to hear that word and, again, apply it to our lives and make us to be into the people that you want us to be. We love you so much in your name. Amen. Greet those around you, and we'll get started in a couple seconds. Amen.
Holy Spirit, and there's a phrase in there, and I catch on to some phrases every now and then to songs, and it's, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness, and I got to thinking about, how do we do that? Well, first of all, God is always with us, and we know that because Matthew 28, 20 says, lo, I am with you always. John 14, 16, 17 says, I will give you another advocate or an associate to help you. It goes on to say the world couldn't accept him, but listen to this. It says, but you know him. He lives with you. He lives in you. 
And being aware of God's presence, it's a spiritual discipline. We must work to cultivate our conscious awareness of Him and be mindful that He's with us, that He's in us. Psalms 89, 15 through 16 says, we must walk in the light of His presence. We shouldn't be walking around ashamed, feeling like we're undone, but we need to be moved by His enduring kindness, His grace, His love in everything. I bet this, washing dishes, changing diapers, chasing kids, doing homework, getting on a plane, buying coffee. We gotta put our glasses on so we can see and appreciate and recognize His presence in all of these activities. We need to take every moment to connect and to experience His goodness. We gotta pause, we've gotta be mindful, we gotta turn those moments into acts of worship because that's what they are. God wants to do something for us. He wants to do something for you in the room today. You don't have to be afraid. We can trust Him because God's trustworthy, right? An encounter or an experience with Him can empower us. It can empower you to do what we've been called to do, what He desires for us to do. Being aware of God's presence and expecting and experiencing the glory of His goodness, it can give you boldness, not fear or timidity. It can give you love, patience, and self-control. We need that, right? The more aware we become, the more direction and understanding we can have. Direction, vision for our purpose and use of our gifts. The Holy Spirit can make us uncomfortable. It's going to. But if we're aware, we can ask the Holy Spirit, redirect me, draw me near to you, God. I wanna long for his presence. I want you today, right now, I know we all want you to sing and we want you to, to enjoy the worship, but maybe there's somebody in here that you don't need to focus on us or what, you know, you need to close your eyes. You need to pause, you need to be still, you need to pay attention, you need to be open, you need to trust God, and be aware of how He wants to empower you to find your purpose, discover your gifts, to use and give Him the glory. And maybe we all just need to close our eyes and just experience the goodness of His glory. Never, never. 
shame and my guilt and my sin and you've undone it. Your son, when he came to the cross and he died, he paid for that. He did that for me. He erased all of my sins and I know God, you can do it again and you will and you want to because you can, you're God. But the thing is, we all know if there's somebody here, God, that doesn't know you and can't claim the free gift that you're giving and that you're offering, it's not gonna happen. And I pray, God, that today they'll make the decision to do that before it's too late. And for those of us that are already written, have our names written in your book of life, I pray, God, that we could take those mundane moments of life and we can turn them around into worship, into thankfulness and into gratefulness because of, not because of who you are, but because of what you did. And I pray, God, that you would be with Brother Jason and that you would bring a word that we could all hear and we can all take away and we can use to spread your good news about your free gift of salvation. I thank you for your presence in this place and I thank you for your Holy Spirit that is my associate and my advocate. And God, help me, help me be more aware of you and all that you can do for me. And God, it's in your precious name, it's in Jesus' name, I pray these things, amen. Give them a big hand. They rocked it today, didn't they? Dave, they rocked it for Jesus. Good morning, family. How we doing? Hey, today I've got a word for all my bald brothers in the house, okay? And for the rest of you, okay, that are stuck with hair, you're going to relate to this too. It's all good. But listen, I, I wrote a sermon today called Life Lessons That I Learned From a Bald Head, okay? And today's title is Don't Procrastinate. So let me explain what procrastination has to do with a bald head. Because for most of y'all in here that, that shave it clean like me, you probably still have a little remnant, okay? There's some patches, right? And if you put off dealing with those patches, it can get ugly and it can get messy, okay? Now the rest of y'all, you don't know what I'm talking about, okay? But I would challenge you, go home today, just shave it all off. And then wait a couple of days and you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about, okay? So ideally, and, and Joy tells me, she, you need to shave your head every day. Keep it looking clean every day, okay? So I would at least shoot for every other day. And if I do that, man, it's a smooth, clean process. You know, you put a little shaving cream on, the razor glides smoothly, hair's gone, no problem. But here's what happens in reality, I put it off. I put it off. And, you know, life gets busy. And in the morning, there's just no time. There's no time for it. I mean, we got to feed kids. We got baby goats now. We got to bottle feed them. I thought they would be weaned when we bought them for Joyce Valentine's present. They weren't weaned. Okay? So we've thrown that in the morning routine. There's getting ready. I mean, all the things. Feed the chickens, feed the dogs. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Right? And then we're busy by the time... We get home, it's late, and I don't want to mess with this. I don't want to mess with it. I'm going to let it go. I'll do it in the morning. 
And then it's a cycle. So pretty soon, four days have passed, and, I mean, it's looking bad, okay? It's a mess. In fact, Joy took a picture the other day of what happens when I go over four days. <laughs> now, okay, i got to quit. Leave that up there for a second, Miss Sherry. Only if you're 21 years or younger of age can you answer this question. Who knows who that is? Say it. 21 years or Andrew. Cousin Andrew, Alf. Yes, that's Alf. I love Alf. They need to bring that back. That's what I look like. I mean, it's bad. It's bad. So, so here's the deal. When I finally break down and I shave the head after four or five days, it's not a smooth process anymore. It's not a clean process. In fact, it requires two shavings, two sets of shaving cream, sometimes two razors. And it doesn't glide. It pulls and it jerks and it gouges and it cuts. So it's an absolute mess. So when I procrastinate, a mess occurs. I spend time, more time, more money, because that's more razors, more shaving cream. And it's a mess. So when we put things off, guys, when we put things off, it usually results in a mess. All right? The problems just stack up. They don't get better. Okay? So most of y'all have not related at all to that illustration. So I got one more for you. Now, you can all relate to this, I believe. Uh, are you ready for spring cleaning? Have you started? Okay, who does spring cleaning? Really? Okay. All right, so check this out. Uh, back in the fall, I put a, a bow target up for the boys. It's a four by eight sheet of styrofoam, four foot by eight foot, and it's about a foot thick. And so, man, it was perfect. We could shoot our bows. You know, I got a big target, so it's, it's harder to miss. You don't lose your arrows as bad. But after a week, I looked out there and I noticed the target was broken into two pieces. Like, what happened to my target that's laying on the ground? So I asked Judy, said, oh, I ran through it, wanted to see if I could. <laughs> so I'm kind of annoyed, but then I'm like, well, that is kind of cool. You know, the kid in me is like, man, I wish I could have seen that. And Zane, I thought, I wish I would have tried that, you know, pretty awesome. So did I pick up the two pieces of the target and throw them away? No. Remember, this is back in the fall. So all fall, they're out there. And guess what happened? Those two pieces multiplied. All of a sudden, there's like 12 pieces. And it's on the neighbor's land. And it's worse on my in-law's property. One piece was nine foot up in the air in a tree. I have no idea how that got up there. And so finally one day, me and Jude are out there. I'm like, Jude, this is a mess, man. We need to get this cleaned up. And he goes, man, you know that's never going to happen. <sighs> and that kind of annoyed me. You know, I was like, you little punk. You know, then I'm like, well, does that, is that what he thinks, that I just procrastinate and don't get things done? So I'm like, well, we're going to take care of this right now, mister. Crawl through that fence and get those pieces out of the neighbor's yard. We loaded them up in the, in the back of my truck, threw them away. Finally, the mess was clean. But had I have taken care of it initially, it would have been a lot smoother process. Are y'all with me? Does this ever happen to y'all? I'm sure none of y'all procrastinate, okay? I really think, I think if we're honest, there's a little procrastinator in all of us. And we're going to look at a story today in Scripture about a young lady who had a major decision to make in her life. And what she really wanted to do was just put the decision off, to not deal with it and just hope it went away. But that wasn't the case at all. So we're going to look from God's Word today about how to deal with procrastination. Because God has things for us to do, guys. And if we're not careful, we'll just say, I'll do it tomorrow. And, and tomorrow turns into weeks and months and years, and all of a sudden, we find ourselves not living out, not fulfilling the purpose and the calling that God has placed us here for on this earth for this time in this place. 
All right, so are you ready? All right, we are going to talk about one of the coolest stories in the Bible, a young lady named Esther. And I'm going to give you just a very brief history lesson. It will not be boring, okay? Guys, I didn't like history in school. I thought it was super boring. But now that I'm older and I think back of things that happened when I was a kid, it's history now, so that's kind of cool to me, you know? And so I like a little bit of history. Joy loves history. I like a little bit, a little bit. So brief history lesson about how Esther got to be in the position that she's in when we jump into God's Word today. Okay, so we're going to go back to 479 B.C. That's a long time ago, right? You would agree with me. And we're going to look at the world's most powerful empire, the Persian Empire. Now, the Persian Empire was divided into 127 provinces. It was a huge area in the Middle East, vast, and it was powerful. They had overthrown the Babylonian Empire and were now the reigning world power. And if you remember, the Babylonian Empire is who overthrew the Jews because of their disobedience to God, and they take, took them into their own country. They exiled most of the Jews into bondage. So while the Jews are in bondage, another world power takes over, and it's the Persian Empire. So Xerxes is the king. He is an evil dictator. And in fact, if Xerxes didn't like you, he would just impel you on a sharpened pole. That's what he did, okay? And he could do it because he was the king. He was also very arrogant and very boastful and very proud of his wealth. He had vast amounts of wealth. So one time he decided... For 180 days, he was going to put all the wealth of his kingdom on display. I mean, guys, he had couches made of gold and silver. He had streets made of marble and pearl. He, at, at the end of the 180 days, after everyone could see his wealth and brag on him and make him feel good, then, check this out, he had a seven-day banquet. So all of his nobles, all of his officials, all the men, they had a banquet with him. And then all of the, the wives of those nobles and officials had a banquet with his queen, Vashti. So they were in separate locations. So for seven days, these men drank. All right? They got drunk. And then the king wanted to display Vashti's beauty. She was a beautiful woman. And so he commanded her to come in wearing her crown and display her beauty in front of all these drunken men. Now, most Bible scholars believe that the only thing he wanted her to wear was her crown. So Vashti was not going to be humiliated. She was not going to be degraded. So she told him, no. Well, this put Xerxes in a quandary because he's the most powerful man in the world. Everybody does what he says. And Vashti just told him, no. What's he going to do? So he calls together his nobles, his seven wisest counselors, okay? And they had a meeting about how to deal with this because if Vashti disobeyed him, what were the rest of the wives in the kingdom going to do? And ladies, they had to keep you under control. Whew, I'm about to get ran out of here now. So uh, let's, let's just, I got a video that kind of shows what this meeting was about. So let's just, let's just watch this video.
So that's exactly how the meeting went down. And the men decided, we got to nip this problem in the bud, as Barney Five would say. So they said, King, here's what you got to do. You got to get rid of the queen, banish her, and then the rest of the women will take note of this and they'll obey everything that we tell them to do. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. So that's exactly what he does. He's, he listens to them. These are his wisest counselors, okay? This is scary. He listens to them and she's banished, Vashti's banished forever. So now he has no queen. In the meantime, and Scripture doesn't show this, but history shows this, he advanced a military campaign against Greece to which he was defeated. So he returns home, and there's kind of about a four-year span from when he banishes his queen, gets defeated by Greece, and he goes back home, and he's just super bummed. I mean, he's moping around, he's depressed, he's dragging. So his wise counselors say, hey, I got a plan. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pick out all the most beautiful young virgins in the kingdom, and we're going to have a beauty competition. You can pick your new queen. So, I mean, this sounds like a great plan to him. He's like, okay, let's do it. So in his own providence of Susa, remember there's 127 provinces, so they seek out all these beautiful young girls. They bring them to the king's harem, and they're going to they're gonna go through 12 months of beauty treatment, and then they will each appear before the king, and he'll pick out the wife that he wants. Right? But in his own providence, in Susa, where he lived, there was a young Jewish girl named Hadassah. That was her Jewish name, but her Persian name was Esther. And Esther, the Bible tells us, was absolutely beautiful. And even better than that, she loved Jesus. Now, the book of Esther, this is interesting, makes no mention of God one time in it. Did you know that? Not one time is God's name specifically mentioned in Esther. Yet we see in this book, a couple of young people who love God, they take a stand for God. They pray. They trust in Him. And we see God's hand, His providence, all over this book. So that's why it's part of inspired scripture. God wanted it to be there. And it talks all about Him. So here she is. She's taken into the, the king's harem. Now, she had a first cousin named Mordecai who raised her as his own. They had been exiled uh, into the, the Babylonian Empire many years before. And so he was taking care of her. She was an orphan. So he looked after her. And he gave her some advice. He told her this before she went into the king's harem. He said, don't tell them that you're a Jew. Okay? We're not, we don't really know why. But he just said, don't tell them. Just keep your nationality a secret. So she goes into the king's harem. And immediately, guys, she wins the favor of the king's servant who was over all of the, the, the girls in the beauty competition. He gives her seven personal servants, gives her the best living quarters, puts her on a special diet. I mean, she's getting the royal treatment, okay? So when it came her time to appear to the king, guess what? He fell madly in love with her, uh, probably more like infatuation, but he declared her the queen right then and there, told everybody to acknowledge the queen. He had a big party in her honor, okay? So that's the stage being set up. Now, Mordecai, her cousin, meanwhile, he gets a promotion. He becomes one of the king's servants, and so he could go outside the palace gate, and, and he could hang out, and he could look for glimpses of Esther. He could maybe get a word about how Esther was doing or send word to her. And so he was still looking after her well-being that whole time. And one day, as he was sitting outside the palace gate, guess what he overheard? A plan to assassinate the king. He sends a word to Esther. She tells the king, these guys were put on trial, and they were found to be guilty. Old King Xerxes had him impaled on a sharpened pole. Remember I said he was no, no, no guy to, to joke around with. He meant business. So Mordecai kind of goes on his, on his way. Now, 
I'm going to introduce to you one more character of the story. And his name is Haman. You see, wherever God's people are, wherever somebody's trying to serve Jesus, did you know there's going to be opposition to that? Guys, look at me. When you make a declaration to say, I'm going to live for Jesus, mark it down. Satan, your real enemy, will oppose that. And he will send opposition against you. He will try to stop you. He will try to distract you. He will try to tempt you. He will try to throw you off mission. So Mordecai and Esther, man, they love God. They stood up for their values, as we're going to see. And so here comes Haman, and he is elevated to prime minister of the kingdom. He's second command. He's the big dog. And he made a decree that anybody that uh, saw him or came into his presence, they had to bow down. They had to honor him. They had to show him respect. But guess what Mordecai would do when Haman would come around? Mordecai would just grit his teeth and stare him down. Mordecai wouldn't bow. He wouldn't compromise. And I believe that's because Mordecai knew who he belonged to. He belonged to God. And he knew God was the only person that was worthy of his worship. And so that made Haman angry. In fact, the Bible said he became full of rage. He became bitter. Now, guys, when we let rage and bitterness control our lives, you know what it does? It destroys us. It eats us up. We can't even see the good things in our life because we're hung up on the negative. And that's what Haman, man, he was, so, he was so filled with rage and anger against Mordecai that he couldn't even enjoy all the privileges that he had. He was just miserable. So guess what he did? He found out through his other advisors that Mordecai was a Jew. Now, let me tell you one other fact about Haman. This is kind of interesting. Jewish culture says that he was a direct descendant of the Amalekites. And in fact, in his family tree was King Agag of the Amalekites, dating back to the days of King Saul. Remember Israel's first King Saul? Saul was told to completely annihilate the Amalekites because they were a pagan nation. They would lead Israel away from God into idolatry. Saul disobeyed. He didn't want to destroy him. He disobeyed. Saul disobeyed God in a lot of areas, and he lost his kingdom. So now you have Haman, who really has bad blood going way back to the days of Saul and, and his ancestor, King Agag. So when Haman found out that Mordecai was a Jew, not only did he want to kill Mordecai, he said, I'm going to annihilate this entire nation, this entire race throughout the kingdom. So he got his advisors together, and they cast lots or dice. They call it the Purim. And they set a date nearly a year later to destroy the Jews. And he even hired mercenaries to go out and they were going to be paid to kill the Jews. And then they could take the Jews' property. They could, if, if you killed a Jew, you could have all their stuff. So he was really enticing people to be a part of his wicked plan. He hadn't even asked the king yet. So guess what? He goes to the king and, and he sets the hook really good. He says... He says, hey, king, there's, there's, a, there's a nation out there. There's a people out there. They don't listen to our laws. They have their own laws, and they oppose you. And, oh, king, they need to be eradicated. We need to wipe them out because they are a threat to your rule, oh, king. And I will personally pay for this. And the king said, okay, write the decree. I'll, I'll put my seal on it with my royal ring. And what the king seals, what he endorses, cannot be undone. 
That's exactly what happened. So this letter was sent throughout all the kingdom. When Mordecai heard about it, he was absolutely devastated. And he gets word to Esther because he's so devastated. He gets word to Esther and tells her what's going on. He sends her a copy of the letter. And, and here's where our scripture kicks in. All right? And Mordecai goes to the queen. He said, I want you to beg the king for mercy. Beg him for mercy. So we're going to start there in Esther 4, 8. Mordecai gave Hattak. This is the messenger that's going back and forth from Esther to Mordecai. He gave him a copy of the decree issued in Susa that called for the death of all Jews. He asked Hattak to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. He also asked him to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. Let's pray. God, we love you. Today it is a privilege to be in your house, to celebrate your goodness, to celebrate salvation. But Lord, today would you speak into our hearts and move in our lives because as believers, Lord, we're not called to easy street. We're not called to complacency. Lord, we are placed here right now to, to accomplish a mission, to give hope to lost people, to live for the truth, Lord, to be your servant. So today, Lord, as I speak on the outside, would your Holy Spirit speak to hearts on the inside and move as only you can. We love you, God, and ask us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, are y'all still with me? Do I need to show another Andy Griffith video? Well, I'm not going to. Not today. Uh, the first thing I want to talk to you about concerning procrastination is that fear can lead to procrastination. Now, we've already talked about Esther. She's, she's afraid, right? There's a situation here that's big, and she, she really wants to just not deal with it, okay? It's overwhelming. Have y'all ever been overwhelmed by something to the point that you don't even know how to start? All right, yeah, yeah, for sure. Eli, Eli, where are you at? Raise your hand. Eli, what's happening in just a few days? Eli's about to get married. Did y'all know that? He's about to get married. Yeah, yeah. So uh, y'all probably can't see him, but there's a whole row of these young buff guys up here. They're all jacked and looking good. Well, this, this is all Eli's buddies and brothers, and they've been celebrating this weekend uh, for him about to get married. And so you've been having good, clean shenanigans, right? That's what y'all been up to. Good, clean fun, having a great time. Uh, Eli, so has the wedding, has it been easy? I mean, we're just talking right now. Have, have there been a lot of details or just been easy street to get it together? It's been a lot, yeah. So, you know, guys, listen, we just think, I mean, a wedding, hey, yeah, let's go. You know, I'll show up. I'll say I do. We're married. Piece of cake. But ladies, you know that's not the case at all, right? There's a whole lot of details that go into a wedding, right? It can be a little overwhelming. It can be hard to know even where to start. But, hey, ladies, you got it figured out. You know, you'll, you'll tell us guys what we need to do, and we'll get it done. So it's, it's going to come together, Eli. It's about to happen. So don't sweat it, bro. It's going to be amazing. Now, listen, we can all get overwhelmed to the point that we don't know what to do. Maybe we're afraid, and we're just, we just feel stuck. Well, that's how Esther felt. Look at verse 11 of chapter 4. All of the king's officials... And even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die, unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. Now, Esther's telling Mordecai, look, you know this. You're one of his officials. Anybody that comes into the presence of the king without being summoned can be executed unless he extends his gold scepter. This is, this is weird, isn't it? This is a weird culture. 
This is a pagan culture. So let me put it where maybe we could understand it. And I'm glad it's not like this, but just imagine if it was. Imagine if Brother Will in his office, if, if you approached his office without him summoning you, then he had his lever-action cowboy shooting rifle in his, in his, on his desk. And he, if he was okay with you being there, he could extend it to you, okay, and you could come into his presence. But if not, if Brother Nathan barges in unwelcome, then, you know, that cowboy action lever rifle is going to be used for something else, and, and there's a new youth pastor position open. But nobody's going to be applying for it, right? Now, that's all weird and, and silly, but guys, that's how it was back then. That's crazy. That's crazy. But remember, we're dealing with a godless nation. And this is where Esther now finds herself as the queen. She is, she is the queen of this nation. Guys, she is in a dilemma. She is facing a truly huge decision in her life. Now, what she really wants to do is just say, you know what? I'm comfortable right now. The king doesn't know I'm a Jew. He loves me. I'm, I'm queen. I've, I can stay right here in the palace and play it safe. Nobody has to know. Now, on the inside, she's torn up and devastated because she loves her people, and they're about to be annihilated. And she's just kind of frozen, and she's tempted right here just to procrastinate and say, if I just put off this decision and don't do anything, maybe it'll just get better. Guys, that's not the way it works, is it? We put things off, and what happens? It only gets worse. It just gets worse. So Mordecai says, look, I want you to go to the king. And, and here's the deal. Procrastination at this moment seemed like her very best friend. She just wanted to stay right where she was. But the reality is, time was running out for Esther and her peeps. They were on the final countdown before they would be destroyed. So how does this apply to us? Well, guys, look, listen to me. Look at me. God's going to call you to do hard things. Christianity is not about being comfortable. If you follow Jesus, it doesn't just mean you get to kick back and take it easy all the time. Now, it's good to follow Jesus. It's a great life to follow Jesus. But he's going to call us to do hard things. And we're not supposed to just stay comfortable. We're not supposed to just play it safe. Why? Because there's a world out there that is in danger. Guys, listen to me. Jesus came to this earth to be a living sacrifice for our sins. Every single person in this world has sinned and fallen short of God's perfection. And only perfection gets into heaven. So humanity has a huge problem. We're all sinners, and we aren't getting into heaven because we're not going to be good enough to get there. That's why Jesus came, and he endured God's wrath against sin. He made the final, ultimate payment for all of our sins. So when we believe that Jesus endured God's wrath, that he died on the cross, that he was buried in the tomb, and then on the third day that he rose again, when we believe that, when we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, our sins are forgiven. We are made new in Jesus. We're a new creation in Christ, and we gain eternal life in heaven, forgiveness of our sins. We wear the righteousness of Jesus Christ like a robe, and that's how we get into heaven. That's the good news. That's what Jesus did for us. So listen, yes, it can be intimidating to share our faith, but guys, people need to know the goodness of God. They need to know the truth, and they need to know the way to eternal life. So we have to be willing to be stretched and to open our mouth, and to speak up, and to do the hard things. So don't get stuck in the procrastination zone. Live out what God has called you to do. And here's the cool thing. Next thing I want to point out. The truth moved Esther into action. The truth moved her into action. Guys, the truth can move us into action. Let me tell you a story. 
Y'all know I always have a few stories, right? All right, so th this is a cool story. Uh, we, as a family, okay, we got a whole bunch of dogs, don't we, Joy? And Joy loves every one of them. She, they're, they're like her pride and joy, okay? And one of our most beloved dogs, he's our oldest dog now since Tough is gone, uh, Moses is a basset hound. He's 12 years old. I think we got, Sherry, I think we might have a picture. There he is. See old Mo. We're out on the family land. There's old Moses. He's kind of bringing up the back. Can everybody see him? That's not his best side, but Moses, let me just tell you, Moses is old, and he's, he's got bad hips, and so he hops like a rabbit with his back legs. He just hops. He, you know, he just hops, but he still wants to go exploring. So the other day we were out, and Jude and a couple of buddies were looking for deer sheds. How many of y'all have ever looked for a deer shed? Don't be ashamed. Let me see your hand. Raise them up high. Okay, guys, one of the greatest activities that you can ever be a part of is this time of year you go out in the woods and you look for a deer shed. Did you know that deer shed their antlers every year? And they, How many of y'all knew that? Raise your hand if you knew that. Yeah, and they grow back every year. It's amazing. So, Bill, if you find a deer shed, you have found a treasure. It's like a needle in a haystack to find a deer shed. So every year, me and the boys go out. We look for deer sheds. And apparently, people use their dogs to find deer sheds. They can, they can apparently smell the sheds. So it helps you. So I'm like, Jude, let's take the dogs. You know, let's take Moses. Jude's like, I think that's a bad idea, man. I don't know. I'm like, oh, it'll be fine. Let's take Moses. So guys, we're out there looking. This is last Saturday. We're looking for the deer sheds. And we come up to this pond. All right, we come up to this pond. It's not just any pond. This pond is like the, the scummiest of the scummiest of ponds because it's next to an old landfill, and so all that old stuff in the landfill, it, it, and the water runs off from that landfill into this pond. There's no telling what's in it. You know, radioactive for all I know, but it's got a green film over the whole thing, green film. And I've always said there's no way I would ever get in that water. I told Judah, I said, we're not even going to fish in that pond. I don't even want to be near it. Well, old Mo, he's out there, and for whatever reason, he decides... I'm going to go swimming. <laughs> Moses plunges into the green. And he begins to swim. And Jude's like, man, he's freaking out. He's like, Dad, he's going to drown. He can't, he can't swim. And I'm thinking, yeah, you're probably right because, you know, he can barely move. He can barely hop along. And so I'm not making this up. This is real. So Moses, he starts swimming, and all of a sudden he starts giving out. And, and he starts going underwater, and then he would just, you'd see his little nose just come up and break through the green surface. You'd see his nose come up. He was just getting a little breath. He'd go back down. I'm yelling, come on, buddy, come to the bank, come to the bank. He gets disoriented. He starts across the pond. And Jude's like, he's not going to make it. Jude's ripping off his boots and his coat. All of a sudden, the nose doesn't come up. And I see old Mo on his side, and he's swimming in a circle. I dive in. I dive in. I get the dog by the scruff of his neck. I get him up. Guys, that water's freezing cold. I probably got a brain-eating amoeba, okay? I mean, it's nasty. I get him to the bank. Moses, he gets up. He's kind of shivering. Jude runs over to him, puts his hunting coat around him. He's like, Dad, he's shivering. I'm like, how do you think I feel? <laughs> I didn't want to jump in that water. But when Jude said he's going to die, I was like, you're right i got to take action. Listen, guys, Esther did not want to go to the king. She knew she would probably die. The king hadn't even called for her in 30 days. But here's the deal. She was made for this moment. And, and Mordecai reminded her of that. 
And here's what he said in verse 14. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if you were made queen for just such a time as this. Listen, Mordecai, he loved his cousin like his own daughter. But yet he was willing to ask her to do something hard because he knew that God's people would be destroyed if, it, if she didn't intervene. And even though she was frozen in fear, Mordecai's words of truth moved her into action. And all of a sudden, Esther became a warrior for Jesus. And she said, okay, everybody fast and pray for three days. And then I'm going to the king. And if I die, I die. She realized, guys, this is her time. There was no coincidence that she won a beauty competition, that she was made the queen. It was to save her people. It was to be used by God to intervene on his nation. So what does this mean for us? Well, here's some application. You're probably not going to find yourself, you know, being a king or a queen and having to risk your life to save a nation. But here's the deal, guys. We're all called to do something for Jesus. And it's our natural tendency to want to procrastinate in that. But we got to break out of procrastination. we got to get on mission with God. And you know what when we do? It's empowering. It's empowering. It's energizing. And here's what we can do. When we overcome our fear and we, we put the truth of God into our lives, we can stare fear in the face. And we can dig our heels in and we can say, God, I'm going to live for you in the power of Jesus' name. And we can let God do great things for us. We're here right now by God's design. Each and every one of you, you have a purpose. You're here because God wanted you to be here, and he's got people for you to reach for his kingdom. You have the ability to give hope to lost people. And here's the cool thing. This is my final observation about procrastination. When we finally take action, you know what God does? He goes before us. That's what he did for Esther. He went before her, okay? She had a big job to do, but God was already working. This is so cool. So y'all know Joy has a gym, and Jesus has been blessing there, and she needs some more room. So a, a, a unit came open from where she's renting, and we're expanding the gym, okay? So Joy said, you've got to knock down these walls. You've got to knock down these walls. Oh, man, I don't have time. I'm busy, you know. Like, we can only work on Saturdays. It's going to take forever. But you know what God did? He gave us a dream team. He gave us a demolition team. You know all those kids we have? Yeah. Yeah. And guess what? Those kids, they have girlfriends. And they help too. And so I had the, the first Saturday we started knocking the walls down. I had uh, Kurt Dieter from church here. I told him we were going to eat breakfast. And instead we I got him there and gave him a hammer and said, knock down a wall. And then we had Isaac. Yeah, there's our picture. We had Isaac and his girlfriend, Macy. Macy works at the gym for joy. Macy, is she a good boss? Is she nice? Okay, okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. So we got Macy working. We got Matthew, Kurt. You can see it all, the demo team. Brent came and helped me later that day. It was awesome. So guess what? This whole team, they tore down the walls, and I just bossed everybody around. It was cool. I think we even have a video. Can we roll that video? This, this will show you. This is our first demo of the day. This is where it starts. Oh. Yeah. 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 Oh, she did it. Good job, Macy. 
That's where it all began. And the next thing you know, guys, the walls came down, okay? And the roof stayed up, so that was super good, super good. Listen, here's the cool thing. We don't have to do it on our own. We have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God in one, working for us, going before us. And listen to what happened with Esther. This is amazing. This is such a cool story. I'm wrapping this thing up, but, man, you got to get this. So are you still with me? Raise your hand if you're still with me. Please don't tune me out because this is the best. This is where God shows up. And, guys, I think when we can overcome the procrastination hurdle, it's like God's right there. He's like, okay, okay, you stepped out in faith. Let me show you what I'm going to do. And God shows up here. So, uh, old uh, Esther, she went before the king. He extended the golden scepter, and he said, what's your request? She said, I want you and Haman to come to a banquet. So, boy, Haman thinks he's big stuff. The queen invited me to a banquet. They get there, and, and the king says, well, Esther, what do you want? She said, I want you all to come back tomorrow for a second banquet. Now, I don't know why she delayed, but during this delay, this 24-hour period, check out what God does, okay? Old Haman walks out of the banquet, proud as a peacock, but who does he see but Mordecai? Mordecai glares at him, and Haman glares at Mordecai, and, and he goes home, and he's whining to his wife and his buddies, and they're like, hey, just set up a 75-foot pole, sharpen it, and impale Mordecai on it tomorrow. He's like, great idea. That's awesome. So he's going to go to the king the next morning to ask for Mordecai's life. That very night, check this out, the king can't sleep. Any of y'all relate to that? <laughs> can't sleep. 3 a.m., why am I awake? Why am I worrying about all the stuff I have to do? Well, the old king couldn't sleep, so he brought one of his servants in. He said, hey, read, read me the book of the history of my, of my kingdom. They're reading through, and they come to the part where Mordecai had intervened in the assassination plot. Remember that? Okay. So he's like, hey, did anybody do anything for Mordecai? And, and they're like, no, nothing. He's like, wow. So the next morning, here comes old Haman, and he's going he's gonna to ask to kill Mordecai. And the king says, hey, Haman, what would you do for somebody you want to honor? And Haman's like, oh, he wants to honor me. He said, well, I would give him the king's robe, and I'd put him on the king's horse, and I'd say, you know, long live this guy. He's the best, you know, and, and parade him through the streets. And the king said, good, I want you to get Mordecai. Do that very thing for him. Haman's devastated. He's like, oh. So he has to do it. He, he leaves after he leads him through the streets on the king's horse, proclaiming his greatness throughout the kingdom. He goes home. And I mean, he's devastating. His wife's like, look, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're in trouble now. The writing's on the wall. You're, you're not going to overthrow God's people. So right at that moment, the king's servants grab Haman, and they whisk him away to the banquet, the second banquet. And there the queen reveals Haman's plot to destroy the Jews. So you know what the king did? He was furious. He, he took Haman and he had him impaled on the very pole that Haman had built to kill Mordecai. So just like that, Esther and Mordecai and the Jews' enemy is overthrown because God showed up. You see, God was already working. None of this was circum, or circumstance or coincidence. This was the providence of God. This is God moving on behalf of his people. So Mordecai gets promoted to Haman's place, and then Esther goes to the king one more time. He extends the golden scepter, and she says, can, can you reverse your decree about the Jews being destroyed? Well, it couldn't be reversed. However, the king said, you can issue a decree that everybody can fight for the Jews. So that's what happened, and most people actually did fight for the Jews, and some people even converted to become Jews. And the Jews defeated their enemies, and Haman, or Mordecai and Esther declared a festival of the, of, the, of the Lord called the Festival 
of the Purim or the casting of the lot. So the Jews celebrated that every year to remember God's deliverance for their people. God went before Esther. Isn't that amazing? So here's the deal. When God tells you to do something, just do it. Just do it. If it's in line with his word, make sure it's not you. (laughs) Okay, make sure it's the Holy Spirit. If it lines up with God's word, then just do it. Be courageous because God is already preparing the way. You can trust God. Say yes to him and then just leave the results to him. Just like he did for Esther, he'll do for you. You know, what if this little girl would have taken the easy route and kept her mouth shut? God's people would have been destroyed. What if she put off what needed to be done until it was too late? Thankfully, she didn't procrastinate. She overcame it. She spoke up, and God worked. So here's the deal for us. Application time for us. And not just application time, but time today where you interact with God. All right? And we're going to have an invitation. And what I want you to do right now is just go ahead and stand up. As our musicians come and get ready, and if you'll just bow your head, but don't tune me out, please listen. I want to ask you some questions this morning. What decision have you been putting off that you know you need to make? Today, there may be some of you in this house who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and the Holy Spirit is telling you it's time to come to give your life to Jesus, to trust him as your Lord, to receive forgiveness of your sins and eternal life in heaven. That's the most important decision you'll ever make, but it's not automatic. Salvation's not automatic. You have to admit your sin, believe in Jesus, and confess him as your Lord. Today, I'm going to ask you after our the altar, come to the altar and pray and ask Jesus to be your Savior. But for you guys that have already done that, I have a question for you. What's God calling you to do that you've been putting off? What gift has he given you that you're not using? Maybe today there's believers in this room and you have some sin in your life that you know you need to deal with, that you know you need to get rid of, and today is the day to come and repent and confess that to Jesus. That's between you and him. We'll not embarrass you. We're not going to call out your sin. The Holy Spirit will do that for you. Maybe there's something you need to turn away from because you know it's harmful and destructive. For other believers in the room, I bet you know somebody that doesn't know Jesus. And I bet the Holy Spirit's been dealing with you about speaking up and sharing Jesus with them, sharing hope with them. Today, maybe you just need to come and say, Lord, give me the courage to speak up and step out and share hope of the lost world that's desperately needing you. Heavenly Father, God, would you just move right now? Lord, today is not a day for procrastination. Today is a day for action, a day that you have appointed and you put us here for just such a time as this to know you as Lord, to repent of our sins, to use our gifts for you, and to speak up and share Jesus with lost people. God, move us to action today. Help us to come forward and commit to go out, to be obedient to what you've called us to do. We love you, God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, the altars are open. If you need to come and pray, this is between you and Jesus. Just step out right now and take care of business with him. He's waiting for you.
God, you're so good. And Lord, you are the light, you're the truth, and you're the way. Lord, may we remember that as we go out here and into this world, that you're already going before us, Lord, so we can go with confidence and victory knowing that you've already won, Lord, and we win with you. So help us, Lord, as a family to lift each other up, but Lord, to go out and to share hope with the lost world. We love you, God. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. You can have a seat. Thank you guys so much for being here today, for celebrating God's goodness with us. I'm going to let you go in just a second. Got a few announcements, and then we'll be done, okay? Now, when I was a youth pastor, announcements were like the worst part of the service. It was the most intimidating because everybody's done. Zane, you're out. You're ready to go. So I know y'all are done, but I just got a few things. Okay, bear with me. Ready? Okay, you ready? These are good. So, Happy birthday to Fran Rainwater. All right, today's her birthday. Wish her a happy birthday, okay? Yeah, so cool. Uh, this afternoon is our Bible, Music, and Art competition. If you want to come support our kids that are a part of that, it's at 3 o'clock at First Free Will Baptist Church in Greenwood. They would love to see you there. This coming Saturday, if you like motorcycles, join the CC Riders. They're going out. It'll be amazing. And then for all of you, we're getting ready to update our new directory. We're going to make a new directory, so we need your photo, okay? So get gussied up, because in two weeks, we're going to start taking pictures for that out in our Welcome Center. We'll have more details to come. This Wednesday, this is super cool. We're going to have a youth service right here. Brother Nathan, on this stage, Brother Nathan will be bringing the word. The teens will be here. They're going to be rocking the music. It's going to be amazing. So check it out, and you'll feel younger, too. It'll be so good. Hey, to our guests, again, we're so glad you all came. Remember, drop that Connect card off at our Connect counter in our Welcome Center and pick up your gift and ask any questions you might have about the church, and we'll do our very best to answer those. And most importantly, we just want to meet you. We want to let you know we really appreciate you checking out Kavanaugh today. And then for our regulars, don't forget your tithing offering on the way out in our giving boxes, okay? All right, love you guys. You're amazing. Have a great day. You are dismissed.